the title for the message today isn't that important. I'm still deciding what it should be. I, I kind of wanted to retitle it something like Getting Real, Real, Real or something like that. I really like reality. And that's just important to me. I'm sure it's part of my Scottish background. Um, some of the biggest economists of all time were all Scottish people. Very practical heritage, practical and emotional together, which is why we sometimes paint our faces blue and run across fields with long swords and no underpants. <laughs> it's practical and emotional. <laughs> Anybody? Nobody? Too early, too late, whatever. Any hoodle. I want to do something strange with this message. We're going to read a passage backwards today. And I'm hoping to pull something off here that involves just dealing with some of the latent unbelief that I think that uh, Christians can carry around. And if this isn't you, you're blessed and that's wonderful, but this is you, I really want to help us to um, experience the reality of God a little bit deeper today. And then come out of this with the character of God formed in our hearts a little more strongly. That's the goal. And if I can get a passing mark in this, I'll be more than happy. But let me pray. Father God, I give you this time. Thank you so much for everybody here. God, if we're breathing, you haven't stopped. And there's hope. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do something really important in everyone's lives this morning. Lord, would you bless the kids upstairs? Would you bless the workers upstairs? Would you give them what they might miss out on right now? I pray that you would multiply and give back to them at a future date. And, Lord, all together, would you be blessed by how we hear you and give us grace to hear you well. And all God's people said, Amen. So I want to talk about what makes... God happy. Um, we learn a lot about somebody by what makes them happy, and we're often really influenced by what makes them happy. Has anybody ever come away from a service here wishing they had had some bacon? <laughs> right? Because I get on one of my little bacon rants. Did anybody bring bacon to the potluck? Put up your hand if you brought... Okay, I'll go to next week's. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Bacon's a wonderful thing. Not everybody loves it, but I really do love it. And because of that, sometimes we get bacon deliveries. And now at the Belfour household, nothing is a celebration unless there's bacon coming out of the oven. It's just like that. And it's because we love it. And when you love something, uh, your joy is infectious and contagious. And we tend to influence people by what we like. True fact? Okay. Anybody here a sports fan that your dad was the same sports fan? Right? Same team? Anybody do multi-generational team thing? Okay, good. It's just kind of like that. Anybody here ever find out that you're dressing like a musician that you like to watch their music videos? Nobody wants to admit it. It just happens. I notice nobody kind of rocks this, except for Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Collared shirt, ultimate shoes. 
as close to military boots as you can get and still looking nice. Am I right? You can wear it to work and it will outlive us both. We're just like that. You enjoy something, it's infectious. It's how we relate to each other. And I wonder sometimes if God is a little bit less real to us than he ought to be because we don't understand that he enjoys things. That Jesus is a little bit less real than he ought to be because we imagine that we're these people that go through life loving things and hating things and enjoying things and despising things and being happy and being sad, and God's not like that. And sometimes we might feel like God's more like the weather. Here we are, we're living our lives, we wake up in the morning, want to get this thing done, and we get the breakfast we like, defrost one of my mom's famous raisin spice muffins that I sneak before church because Jackie's not totally convinced it's the best pre-service breakfast, but it just so easily goes down for me. We wake up into this life full of emotion and desires and joys, But we imagine that God's just kind of up there, happening, like the weather. Sometimes he's kind of rainy, and it's time to pray. And sometimes it feels kind of sunny, then you give a little thanks. But we imagine somehow that God isn't more emotional, more joyful, more passionate, more angry. (laughs) Watch out more disappointed, more happy, more satisfied than we are. We imagine that this whole big life that we experience started with us instead of started with him. And that we're actually created to be like him in his fullness of personality and not the other way around. He's not our idol. We're his idols. As in... He came first and made something that looks like him. And it's not us making little things that we think look like God. True fact? But the whole point I want to do this morning is I want to introduce us afresh to something that makes God super joyful so that we can know him better and he can be more real to us. And we're going to do this by looking at the life of Jesus. I did my best to make this whole thing fit on the screen in a way that might be read by people. It may have been a fail. By the way, if you were with us last week and you saw my slide failure, that was 100% my fault. And the sound and AV team are wonderful, and I'm going to try not to send them so many curveballs. Let's read this together. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. When you think of Jesus, do you think of someone who can out-happy you? Do you think of someone who in the worship service would make the young adults on my left look like they were moving in slow motion? (laughs) 
because of his mighty joy in God during worship. Is that how you picture Jesus? Is that how you imagine him? Is that how you relate to him as somebody who is able to rejoice in God by the power of the Spirit in such a way that you would be like, what the? I'm going to use my laser. He is like that. If you want to see the laser, you've got to get in the front row. There's lots of room. But I'm just pointing this out. When we think of Jesus, we need to see him as someone who can be passionately joyful. Somebody who loves things. Somebody whose heart can overflow with happiness in a way that everybody who sees it knows what's going on. He overflows with joy. And in this case, he's overflowing with thanksgiving to his Father. Now, for all you Trinitarians out there, here is one of these moments in Scripture where you see the entire Godhood head in action. Jesus is rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, giving thanks to the Father, the one true God. And he's thanking his Father. And this is where we can get to know God better. And as I talk about this, I'm talking about Jesus as God as well as talking to God here. But this is the heart of God. Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Eh? What's going on here? Well, we're going to read backwards, so we'll find out in a second what he's rejoicing about. But Jesus is exploding with joy in his Father because he's seeing that his disciples are getting something. That they get it. That they're getting it about God. They're getting it about the kingdom. They're understanding something. He's seeing that the truth he came to reveal is finding purchase in the soil of their souls and they're responding to it with faith and he is going crazy. Yeah! And Luke, doing his research, was like, were you there that time, Jesus? Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, it was, it was off the hook. Make sure you put in there, it was in the spirit, because there was a supernatural power about his joy going on there. And it did it, it, it right down. Jesus sees that the Father is doing something in their hearts, and he is just so joyful. They're seeing it. They're getting it. They're understanding it. And then he has this little brief theology here about how when people get it, about Jesus, about the kingdom, when people get it, that is an act of God because no one can get God without God's help. And so you, when somebody gets it, you don't say, <laughs> hot stuff over here, understanding things. You go, Oh, thank you, God, because it's an act of God when people get it. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, you guys, blessed are your eyes that you get to see this stuff because kings desire to see what you're seeing and they didn't get to. 
and prophets prophesied this, but they never got to see it, and you get to. And Jesus is so happy to be with the people who are seeing what nobody else got to see and are experiencing what other people didn't get to experience, and he is so happy that it's working. So let me just push this a little bit. Do you think the Father is somehow less happy than Jesus is in this story? Yeah, thank you for the little head shake. True fact, they're all united. If Jesus is happy, the Father's happy. If the Father's happy, Jesus is happy. If the Spirit's happy, they're all happy. And so God is rejoicing in the faith of the disciples being expressed. They're understanding it and they're doing it. And God is so happy. Press pause. Discipleship moment. When you get it and you respond in faith to Jesus, you bring the Father pleasure. We all have those moments where it's going to be like, am I going to respond with faith or am I going to withdraw in self-preservation? Am I going to move forward with God or am I going to hold back in self-defense? Am I going to move forward with belief or am I going to hold back in fear? Family, when you move forward with Jesus... He is so pleased. And if we want to have a heart like the Father, as a church in Steinbeck, we should align ourselves with the mission to make one of our greatest joys other people getting it about Jesus. Amen? Not the weather. Not the schmone fat. Anybody bring schmone fat next best thing to bacon? Somebody put up your hand. Okay, next week. That's still my week. <laughs> there are so many things in life to enjoy that aren't this great passion of God to see the kingdom take hold of a mind or a heart or a life and to produce fruit, which is one of the deepest joys of heaven. When someone moves from death to life or unbelief to belief or bondage in the enemy to freedom in the spirit, that movement is the joy of heaven. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, there is more joy in the presence of the angels of heaven over one sinner who repents than over many who have no need of repentance, or at least think they don't. So is this our heart? Is this our heart? Is this my heart? Is this your heart? Do you love to see the kingdom of God invade someone's life with fruit? Is that what makes you happy? And alternatively, does it frustrate us when that isn't happening and drive us to prayer? Well, let's keep going here. So we're going backwards now. Here's the event that brought about Jesus' movement from teacher to worship leader. Luke 10, 17 the 72 returned with joy. Hey, there's the J word again, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. 
And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now what's interesting here is that Jesus, the joy master... Heading into his praise and worship time that everyone's welcome to join him in, but he doesn't need you to be a part of it for him to have a good time. He's responding to the 72. They were sent out on missions. They were doing some short-term mission trips, paving the way for Jesus' movement to Jerusalem, as I understand it. And they come back, and they're, they're doing their post-mission trip praise report. And one of the things that's highlighted is that they would go to a town and people who were known to be oppressed by the enemy, by Satan, whether it's maybe a mind thing or a physical illness or we don't know exactly the manifestations here. You're welcome to read the Gospels and see different demonstrations of what that could have looked like. But they come back and they say, this is amazing. Even spiritual forces will submit to us in your name. And they're, they're like, this is great. And it feels like they, they're coming home and they've all got these guns and they're like, when we shoot these things, they blow up. That, that's kind of feeling, right? When you've got the car full of Tannerite, anybody done that thing? And you're behind the hill and you're like, blink, blink. Katoom! And it's that feeling of the katoom, and the fridge door comes flying by you, and you're glad to still be alive. It's working with power. This is their happiness, and they need a little bit of tweaking here because Jesus doesn't actually want all of their joy to be in the fun of setting people free from the enemy but to hold fast to that personal relationship they have with God. Because it's not impossible to see God working in power through you and to become arrogant about that. Anybody? Our greatest gifts are going to be our biggest temptation to become proud because of that gift. Anybody? Is it just me? God very kindly helps me to be totally miserable for about 24 hours before Sunday morning. Right, hon? Sometimes on a good day, it's only 12. So I know it's not me. But there's something about this. Now, press pause here again. The thing that brought Jesus joy so that he's praising the Father and saying, you guys are seeing something amazing that was not happening before is that the disciples are going out with faith and conquering spiritual darkness with the name of Jesus. Because they have confidence that the name of Jesus carries the authority to change things. True fact... You don't have to believe in demons for them to believe in you. You don't have to believe in spiritual forces of darkness for them to really mess you up. 
We, don't, we can be cessationists and still be oppressed. And the thing that changed with Jesus coming here is he was teaching his disciples that his name has the authority to do what couldn't be done before. Actually drive out the forces of darkness. And Jesus said something to his disciples, excuse me, that... I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Anybody believe that? Okay. And so this isn't like a name it, claim it, super spirituality because there is a cross to carry. But when it comes to conflicts of spiritual power, who's got all the power? Jesus. And in one sense, we're only as dominated as we let ourselves stay. Do we need to ask Jesus to train us in authority? Probably a yes. Not that kind of like arrogant kind, but that kind of like people need their lives changed by the power of Jesus kind. Amen? Amen? Well, let's back this bus up a little bit because we're talking about Jesus being super joyful and his disciples being super joyful. But the story right before this isn't super joyful. Jesus has sent out his 72. He's given them instructions about how to do their mission. And right after that, he starts doing a woe section. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, these are famous unbelieving cities, that in books like uh, Ezekiel are condemned, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? Oh, you shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me, which is God himself, the Father. Now, you wouldn't think that this passage is a setup for great joy in disciples or in Jesus, this huge woe section. But I think we need to start embracing more and more that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of extremes. In the kingdom of God, we're kind of either plus 10 or negative 10. But we're not usually riding at a zero or a one. We're usually doing awesome or terrible. Because you're either all in or you're all out so often. Jesus doesn't even like halfway. Do you remember from Revelations, his gripe with the Laodicean church? You guys are so lukewarm, you make me want to puke. If you were red hot, I could deal with that. If you were ice cold, I could deal with that. But the fact that you just, you're just like milk that's been left on the counter all day, blah. And so Jesus is a man of extremes because God is the God of extremes. And so he comes and he's talking to these cities which are like 
local towns. And in one sense, they should have been doing great. They're Israelite cities. They're full of the people of God. And Jesus has been ministering in these places, but they didn't respond with great faith. And so now he's going to decimate them with some woes. And he says to them something like, Woe to you, Steinbeck. And I love Steinbeck, and I'm not sitting in judgment on Steinbeck, and I don't love church bashing, but I'm just going to use it to make sure there's a little bit of vinegar on the end of the barb. Woe to you, Steinbeck, because if the mighty works that had been done in you had been done in Baghdad, they would have been a missionary sending base long ago. Or woe to you, whatever city is nearby that I don't even want to name. I'll just do my old hometown, Vernon. Woe to you, Vernon. Do you think that because you're in B.C., you're so much closer to heaven? No, you're actually a hellhole. And just so you know, and this is because they didn't go all in with Jesus, just so you know, if you reject my messengers, you rejected me, and if you've rejected me, you've rejected the Lord. And that's the whole issue. This is a morning of extremes. Sorry, I hope my shirt's okay. Jesus is off the charts, happy. The worship of heaven is blowing up in Israel because nobodies with nothing to offer are seeing and believing the good news of Christ. And, but they're in the midst of lots of people who think they're doing great who don't get it. Think, oh, what a tragedy to be close to God and think you're doing great, but not getting it. I think this should make everybody's feet tingle a little bit. God, don't let me not get it when I'm so close to Christian culture, when I'm living in a post-Christian nation, when there's a Bible on every bedstand. Don't let me be so close to Christ and not get it. Don't let me be a woe person. You knew so much, but it never connected. In love, as a brother, not wanting to trigger anybody who has a natural tendency to be negative about themselves or abuse themselves or beat themselves up, are you on fire for Jesus? And do you love what he loves? Do we rejoice in seeing the kingdom take hold in others as our highest joy? Or is something taking us out at the knees? Something's happening in this day and age, in this town, in this country, and Matt's right. It seems like things that couldn't happen before are happening without us trying too hard. Which is so good. But we need to make sure we're not riding a wave. We need to make sure we are the wave. We need to make sure we're not being carried along. We need to make sure that we're being carried by Christ in this.
Good stuff is meant to make us go all in with Jesus. You taste and see that the Lord is good, and then you give him your life and say, I want to be a true disciple. And you say, now you've got to help me get through every challenge with victory because it doesn't matter how you start, it only matters how you end. And there were whole cities in Israel that heard the word of God preached from the mouth of Christ and they never came. They heard the word from the Son of God himself and they saw people who couldn't walk get up and carry their mat and they never came. And ultimately, that isn't because they're like worse people than others. They just didn't get it. We need to get it. Can I touch on something? I think one of the most common reasons that people lose their way with Jesus or they back off from God or they say, I'm going to have a 10% life with you, Christ, or I want to make it to heaven, but between now and then, I don't know is often hurts from other people, especially people who call themselves Christians. True fact? Guys, in love, don't go down that road. Nobody else's misbehavior is worth losing Jesus. Not even for a day. Nobody else's sin is worth losing the joy of Christ. Not even for a minute. Don't give other people that power over your life. Because it's not just them. There are forces of darkness wanting to take advantage over hurt and disappointment to drag you with them into the lake of fire. Don't, don't do it. If you know the name of Jesus, you have every right to be free from that kind of temptation. Jesus told us, I've given you authority to conquer all that stuff. They're not your boss. They're not your Lord. They can only trick you. They cannot really own you. But don't go down there. Don't, don't go down there. Don't, 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 don't let me be the problem. Oh, please. <laughs> you know, don't let me be the problem, ever. Find your way with Christ. And all of us are going to have that temptation. Especially when you live around here. You guys, if we all lived in the Middle East, we would be so happy for even the crumb of Christian fellowship, right? Wouldn't we? I often do the, would I be happy to be stuck in a jail cell test with people? You know, you ever do that kind of thought? Maybe not. Just be like, sometimes I don't know about Catholics. You know, just, just okay, just, just bear with me. But then it'd be like, yeah, but if I was stuck in a jail cell in the Middle East with Michael Knowles, would I be happy about that? Oh, yeah. I pray with him. I talk about Jesus with him. If I had nothing but this person, would I be happier to see them or not? It just is a good way to like be like, let's get down and dirty. Let's get real. Are they your brother? Yeah. Okay, we got to forgive. Are they your sister? Yeah, let them go and look to Jesus. Because, guys, look at how merciless Jesus is. This is kind of crazy. We, Jesus is merciful. He's loving but he's got nothing to offer somebody who drinks so deep of the kingdom and then says no. Yikes! Yikes, guys! Yikes! Yikes! Yikes!
man. Okay, I'm going to have to make a slight adjustment to the plan from here. So personally, I'm not thinking of anybody here. If you're thinking, Rob thinks I'm not saved, I'm not. I'm not trying to like get at you from the pulpit what I wouldn't say to you from to your face. But I am waving my arms here. I really do have a conviction about the way forward at Calvary. And I want to read the whole scripture so that we're not dealing with this thing like it's some kind of cupcake on life. This is life. And the cost of not going through with this is crazy expensive. The cost of not being all in is going to be huge. Amen? I say that with with love and no judgment. The cost of not going all in is huge. And so what I want to just call us to is I want us to come and have this be right in step with the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is to give away everything he has for the good of others. Jesus says everything has been given to him. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. You ever think about that? The Father is the Father God. He's he's the top. There's nobody above him. He deserves everything. He's given it all away. He's given it all to Jesus. All authority, all the people, all the nations, all human history, heaven and earth. It's his joy to give it all away. And now Jesus is the one to whom all authority in heaven and earth has been given to. What does he do? He gives it away. Take my name. It's got my authority. Go use it for good. It's a loaded pistol. Don't blow your foot off by being proud. Use it for good. And there's this like heavenly generosity going on here that is the exact opposite of looking at Jesus' ministry and saying, not good enough, like those people in Chorazin or Bethsaida did. There's this heart of wanting to end your life with nothing to your name because you've given your whole heart away and your days away for the good of others and the good of the younger generation. And this is what I want. I want us to do a living inheritance. Somebody stopped by recently and did this thing where they like, gave us something and they're like, we're still alive and we don't want you to have to wait till we're dead to enjoy this thing we were going to give you anyways. And that's how the kingdom works. Jesus died so that he could give his people everything, all of heaven, all of earth, all the planets, all the gold. It's his and he died and rose again so that he can share it with all of us. There is nothing in heaven and earth that doesn't have your name on the little this shirt belongs to logo. It starts with Jesus, and then your name is underneath it because of his generosity. Even his godlike powers of commanding demons to leave that they must obey, he shared with you. And the thing that wrecks it is if it stops with us. Amen? If we're the last name on the chain, like, you remember you, they used to send out those email chains? Those things were sin. Don't ever do that, you know. <laughs> Nowadays it's spam. It's like, if you don't click this, you don't love Jesus. That's just a bunch of Russian bots trying to get your information so they can sell it to people. Don't get manipulated. 
But if it ends with us, that breaks the kingdom. That breaks God's heart. Everything we're given is meant to be improved upon and handed on for the sake of others and especially the next generation. The Father's given everything to His Son. This is us, Calvary. This is us. This is us. I don't want to be a relational church. I want to be a church that gives away relationship for the sake of the next generation. I don't want to be a charismatic church. I want to be a church that gives away spiritual gifts so that the next generation can be stronger. I don't want to be like a happy singing church. I want to be a church that sings so that the next generation learns to sing louder and longer and go farther. I don't want to be a sending church. I want to be a church that sends people to send others. It's got to be about others. There is nothing in heaven that hasn't been given away a couple times. It's got to keep going. Everything we got has to keep going. It's got life in the going. It's got life in the giving. It's got to keep going. This is us. This is us. Amen? This is us. This is us. I can't wait for our next women's ministry. Because it went from like two to four, and now half of the women of the church are in the team. And the next time, it's just going to be all of you. Welcome to the women's ministry. It'll be just guys sitting there going, I hope they leave some leftovers, you know, because it was always my favorite. They'd have women's morning, and there'd be the best leftovers for the pastors. Okay. Guys, this is the last Sunday children's ministry is going to ask for help. Amen? Because the kids are more important than us. So do something about it. All those kids are more important than us because we know if they don't follow us in faith, our hearts are going to be broken. Amen? What are these worship... What's this message worth if the kids don't follow our faith? So fix it. (laughs) They need like 15 people. So, can you do it? Can you do it? This isn't anything, and I don't have rhythm, so. (laughs) Start rapping, Rob, sure. My name is Rob. I feel like a slob, but I do my job, and it's to tell you to follow Jesus. We should let the professionals come up here and sing for us, but guys, like, let's just give our lives away for the good of others, just like Jesus did. You, you, you guys can't come up. I'm going to keep exhorting. Do you know what I mean? The Father rejoiced to give everything to the Son. And the like most joyful moment we know of in the Gospels is when Jesus saw that it was working to hand on what he was doing to other people. 